0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Always a pleasure to be with you. One guy who's not with us anymore, Mike Prefer, the special teams coach for the Browns. He has been released of his duties, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, They have parted ways with the Browns. Daryl, why did it take so long?
0: Well, I, I think there's a couple of things here, uh, Andy, to to consider. Uh, certainly the timing, yeah, raises some questions, makes you wonder what's going on, what was the delay. Um, obviously, changing out the defensive coordinator, uh, that took priority. And then, too, like you have all these changes around the NFL with these coaching staffs, right? There's five coaching staffs being put back together, and you kind of need to take the temperature of the room a little bit because if you fire a guy, you have to hire somebody else. And, uh, as, as, you know, after the Browns made this move, it didn't take long for, uh, you know, the shortlist to kind of pop up. But, um, I, I just think that, you know, this is an unemotional group as far as, you know, their decision making process goes, they're process oriented. And after having a couple of extra weeks to, um, evaluate where they were uh when you talk about special teams and let's be honest about it like the special teams was almost the achilles heel of the team um they were not good in very many areas regarding special teams so um they ultimately decided to to go ahead and make the change and so uh the announcement came out what is it tuesday uh so to you know tuesday morning the uh, the announcement came out so Um, yeah, I mean, not everything happens on the timeline we want, but it is kind of interesting. We kind of rode the roller coaster with this, right? It it felt like prefer was going to be gone when the season ended. And then it felt like, okay, they're going to bring him back and, 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 and that, and then you get to what happened Tuesday morning and you're like, oh, well, I'm not surprised that it happened. I'm just surprised that it this long for it to happen because, you know, February 21st. So, um, but yeah, they, uh, they made the move. And uh, so Kevin Stefanski's in the market for a second coordinator this off season.
1: All right, Daryl, uh, you know, you said something in the afternoon show when you were filling in on afternoon drive that I had said earlier in the morning, I mean, how do you really evaluate a special teams coach? Cause uh, you know, if you think about it, the players that he's getting are guys, they're they're NFL players now, which means they were probably really good in college, which means they probably didn't play a lot of special teams in college. Let's start there. Then they're guys that are churning at the bottom of the roster. So you're trying to get those workhorses that aren't exactly the, the superstars of the team to play special teams. And so I think unless you're going to you know dedicate a guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones at the beginning of the season to return kicks, you know, you're behind the eight ball right away as a special teams coach. Now, I know there's a lot of really good special teams coaches, but if a field goal kicker misses a kick, is that on the special teams coach? And in some ways, does it feel like Prefer is a scapegoat?
0: Uh, No, uh, I don't feel like he's a scapegoat because, look, the, the two areas where they were deficient, Kevin Stefanski ultimately made the changes, right? They were deficient defensively. They were deficient on special teams. Both coordinators switched out. Now, obviously, this fall, when they take the field, like they're out of excuses, right? I mean, there, there's no one left to basically blame. So oh, there's, um, one.
1: there's one guy left.
0: I, I know. But my point is that, you know, when you look at the special teams unit, Andy, they were one one of the worst covering punts, if not the worst covering punts in the league okay uh they were not great returning the look the JaKeem Grant injury in training camp was pretty devastating but injuries happen and teams always find ways to figure it out well except for the Cleveland Browns and that's i think the frustrating thing for a Browns fan if you if, if you're watching this organization and this team it's like you see all the adversity, all these other teams have around the NFL and they overcome it. My, my God. I mean, San Francisco started Mr. Irrelevant, a rookie, Mr. Irrelevant. The last guy drafted, they started him in the NFC championship game and he had been starting for that, you know, for their stretch run. And they still found ways to win. And I just feel like under Kevin Stefanski, they haven't found ways. They found excuses. They found scapegoats, but they just, they haven't found ways. And, you know, basic fundamentals i think only 3 onside kicks were recovered during the 2022 season one of those was against the cleveland browns that of course was the new york jets um so when you think and then obviously multiple blocked kicks place kicks not good can't have that so you have you know happens once okay fine i better never see it happen again the rest of the season and it happened again and it happened again and That's unacceptable. So um, it's a results-oriented business. Look, I like Mike Prefer personally. I don't. I don't have an axe to grind against him. I, I kind of, you know, I, I, I kind of do find. Uh, <laughs> I said it when I was hosting the afternoon show. I, I kind of felt bad for all the "Why does Mike Prefer still have a job?" tweets that I had during the season. I, I, I mean, I, I do feel bad about that, but like, I just felt that way, so I tweeted it. I, I just, um, it, it just. They're in get-it-done mode. Like, that's just where I'm at with this organization. Like, just get it done. And Prefer didn't get it done. Joe Woods didn't get it done. Kevin Stefanski recognized it. And uh, as I alluded to earlier, like, hey, he took a step back, looked at it, was still about, you know, just because he hired uh, Jim Schwartz didn't mean the evaluation ended. Like, he was still evaluating the staff, Andy, after that hire was made, Okay. He was still going through and evaluating and, and self-scouting and, and finding areas where they were deficient and things weren't going well. And he ultimately, albeit it took him, what, uh, six weeks since the end of the regular season? like it, it took him six weeks, but he came to the conclusion, quite frankly, that I had at the end of the season, and a lot of people had at the end of the season. They needed to make a change of special teams coordinator. So um, I think an opportunity is going to present itself for them to, uh, at least from their perspective, uh, upgrade, if you will. I, I you know, they obviously I think feel that Jim Schwartz is an upgrade from Joe Woods. And you know, they're going to look for an upgrade for Mike Prefer. So that that's where they're at. But yeah, not all those decisions get made in a vacuum and they don't always happen on maybe the timetable that you and I would and fans prefer them to be made on.
1: So do you think that when the season ended they were still unsure on what they wanted to do and that maybe a candidate emerged here in the last couple of weeks that said, okay, we can do better?
0: I, I think so. Well, for I mean, first off, as we've talked about on this podcast, we've talked about on the air on our station, 923 The Fan, like um, they had to get out in front with the defensive coordinator to get Jim Schwartz, right? You could not sit back and wait. It's part of the reason they didn't wait for Brian Flores, right? Uh, you could not sit back and wait for these head coaching vacancies to be filled and then go coordinator hunting. You got you had you had to beat the competition to the punch, and that got done in eight days between firing and hiring. That was an eight day process. I honestly, Andy, wouldn't shock me if they have this thing wrapped up by the end of the week. I want to make it clear, I'm not saying it's going to happen by the end of the week, but it wouldn't surprise me if they if this was a very quick process. They get these interviews done, and uh, they ultimately make a make a decision uh, and, and have a guy because they want to have a guy in place before they go to the combine. Uh, because remember, special teams, this or I should say the special teams coordinator is kind of important to the personnel department a little bit too. because again, special teams those you, as you mentioned earlier, those are the fringe roster guys, right? They're those are the rookies, those you know stuff like that. So the input of special teams coordinator matters a little bit to the front office as they go through the draft process. And certainly when you're getting in front of these prospects, you know getting that face time with them in Indianapolis, you know, having your special teams coordinator in place uh, is important. So I would say if I had to venture a guess, I'd say by the end of the week at the latest by Sunday, that's just my opinion slash guess in regards to what the timeline may look like.
1: All right. So let's talk about some of the names that might be kicked around. And I know there's one former Brown, his name has been kicked around. We'll talk about that when we come back. It's always game day in Cleveland. If you like what you're listening to, Uh, All you need to do is hit us up on social media at GameDayCLE.
0: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline. It's always game day in Cleveland. Gerald Ryder and Andy Baskin talking Browns with the obvious of the big news. Mike Prefer. First, quick reminder, mobile sports betting, finally legal here in the state of Ohio. And BetQL is here to help you make the most informed bets possible See all of today's winners by heading to betql.com or downloading the BetQL app and claim your free three-day trial today. Head to betql.com slash news slash 92.3 The Fan for exclusive sportsbook offers. Well, we had
1: a Freddy. How about a Bubba? You ready for a Bubba to be your special teams coordinator? Bubba Ventrone the pride of Pittsburgh who played for the Browns for a couple of years seems to be one of the leading candidates. Daryl, are there any other names for special teams coach?
0: Yeah, there's a, there, there's a couple of guys out there. Bubba seems to be the early leader in the uh, clubhouse, uh, New York giants assistant, special teams quarter, Anthony Blevins is in the mix as well. Uh, um, you know, quick reminder to the Rooney rule applies to coordinator positions uh, now in the NFL. Ah, uh, that is something that has been uh, changed in recent years to, uh, fought because it's you know part of the the problem is uh, not enough minority coaches are getting to coordinator jobs, uh, which obviously for head coaching consideration that logical that step is usually you're a coordinator, offensive defense, sometimes special teams uh, to get elevated uh, to. Uh, head coach. So those are the uh, I think the, the the two big names uh, right now. Um, there's also uh, uh, some coaching openings on the coaching staff because you know Drew Petzing he's gone. Uh, quarterbacks coach. He's the Cardinals' offensive coordinator. Uh, Jeff Howard, who was the Browns' defensive backs coach slash pass game coordinator. Um, He was hired by the Chargers as their linebackers coach. Uh, Chris Kiffin, the defensive line coach, he left, joined the Houston Texans. He's the new linebackers coach. So there there are some spots uh, that are open. Uh, Utah State defensive coordinator Ephraim Banda uh, is in line to become the new safeties coach. Uh, and that basically he replaces places Howard. And I know people are doing semantics, defensive backs. They, safeties are considered defensive backs. So he's basically replacing Jeff Howard. Maybe he doesn't – I don't know if he's going to get the title of – I don't think they need that, especially with Schwartz in the mix. I don't think Schwartz is going to be handing out all these fancy titles. Maybe that's something that's going to change with the Browns and Berea. The fancy titles start to go away. Uh, the unnecessary elongated takes one hundred. 50 characters to type out guys' titles. Maybe that's gonna start going away. Um, because it's won them zero games in the last three years. So uh, but yeah, Bubba Ventrone, I man, I I'm starting to feel old, Andy. I remember covering Bubba Ventrone when he was the Browns special team ace under Eric Mangini. <laughs> uh
1: how do you feel for the guys that covered Bill Cower on special teams, right? <laughs> you think you're <laughs> old. How do you think those guys feel? Was Darryl, that you? What, Andy, were you one of those guys? I don't think so. I think I was too young. I, if I was, it was my first year. Not I was too he was already coaching in Pittsburgh by the time I got in the business. Um, but as a kid, I remember watching him play special teams. He was a hell of a special teams player. Um, what's the biggest loss among the coaches, Daryl? It and to think that Petsy goes to care uh, goes to Phoenix as from a quarterback coach to a guy that now gets to call plays, essentially, right? Are we doing that?
0: Played, and, yeah. You
1: know, if, if you're AVP, right. How does that make you feel?
0: Yeah, I, I hear you. Um, I just. Like Alex does a lot as far as like game plan input and stuff like that and putting things together.
1: Let me ask you this before you keep going. Okay. You think he's happy?
0: Yeah, that that's tough for me to answer because if I say no, that you know, I, I just, I I think Alex would like to call plays. I don't think that that's unfair to say, but I I think that he understands the role that's being asked of him, and also the fact that he does have significant input in the game planning process. You're getting some, you know, you you're still involved. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not like he he just has a title like he has legitimate responsibilities that are vital week in and week out to their processes leading up to the games on Sunday. Right. Right. So I, I mean, I would say if he's unhappy, he would have left. How about that? I think that's a good way to put it. Like if he really is that unhappy and upset, I would think that he would have gone and and, and found a job elsewhere. I mean, right? let's be
1: honest. If he wanted the job in Arizona, he could have uh, interviewed for it because it's an upgrade. Play calling would make that a, an upgrade title, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, and but here here's the thing: like when the Cardinals hired Jonathan Gannon, like him and he and Petzing, I should say, they have Everything. history together, right? Yeah, I know. You know what I'm saying? So yep. And and let's be honest about it. That's kind of how the NFL works when you when you have history with guys. So the fact you know, there was some thought last year that Gannon was going to get a head coaching job back uh, and that Petzing was going to be gone. And I think it was Houston that some people thought Gannon had a really good shot at getting the Houston Texans job. And, and basically I think that the Browns were pretty much well aware if John Gannon got a head coaching job, drew Petzing was leaving the Browns and going to go there. And honestly, I think what helped Petsing a lot professionally is that, he, Because remember, he was the tight ends coach. And then this past season, he moved to quarterbacks. And I, I think that the fact that he got to work with Jacoby Bursett and he got to work with Deshaun Watson and a couple of the younger kids that they had behind those guys, um, I, I think that that helped him a little bit. I'm not saying it helped him get the job but I'm just saying like from a professional standpoint being you know to well you know well-round the skill set so to speak you know what I mean mm-hmm. like I I think that you know that was a, a positive move for him that will make his transition to being the Cardinals offensive coordinator smoother for him if that makes sense to you
1: oh totally makes sense totally makes sense so I you know I don't know that we've talked about like Chris Kiffin what i you know there were times where i heard really good things about him where where were we with kiffin
0: well I, yeah, good good coach um that's why they had him come back right remember last year he left i i was was it lsu i forget what school it was but he left the browns for a college job and then was like there for about a month and then he came back you know the browns welcome back book open arms you know coach defensive line all good no no hard feelings no nothing so um I think he's a really good coach. I think he's been instrumental in you know some of Miles Garrett's uh, advanced development, which I know that's like really stupid sounding to hear because Miles Garrett is just a freak of nature and he's just such a great football player, but look, I mean great players have to be coached. Great play the, you know great players want to be coached. They 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 want to be taught new techniques and things that make them better. Uh, as players, and Miles Garrett, quite frankly, he's he's no different. Like he does want to be coached. He wants to learn uh, to make himself uh, a more prolific player uh, defensively. And I think that Chris Kiffin certainly deserves uh, some of that credit. Miles Garrett, back-to-back years, sixteen sacks, single-season franchise record. So I think that there's some, I, I I I think that Kiffin deserves some of that credit, Andy.
1: Daryl, we've gone through the coaches. I've got other things I want to talk to you about, and we'll continue on with It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. News coming out of Berea. And, Daryl, a hypothetical I want your response to all straight ahead. It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. If you want to be a part of a future mailbag, just hit us up on Instagram or Twitter at GamedayCLE. I've got a hypothetical for you that's coming up here in just a moment. Daryl, give me the logistics of what's going on right now.
0: Well, so uh, on Tuesday, uh, that opened the window for teams to be able to designate transition or franchise players. Um, You have until March 7 at 4 p.m. to use either one of those tags. Now, the Browns aren't going to use those tags. They don't need to use those tags. They don't have guys that uh, are going to require that. But uh, the Baltimore Ravens have a guy that's going to need to be tagged. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe the Cincinnati Bengals use it. We'll see, uh, you know, other teams around the league. So 21st, uh, through March seven at 4 PM, uh, that is transition and franchise tag time. Uh, obviously next week, the end of next week there, uh, or middle of next week, February 28th to March six is the, the combine there in Indianapolis, uh, March seven is another big day because that's when draft uh, free, or I should say draft eligible uh, facility visits begin. Uh, that's the where you're allowed to have the thirty non-local players in for like physical exams and visits. No on-field workouts are allowed. Um, you're also allowed to conduct video and telephone interviews uh, with draft eligible players. You are permitted three video or phone call interviews per. Player, and they can be no longer than one hour in length. Uh, March uh, 13th, rather. uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. March 13th, the free agency legal tampering negotiating window, whatever the hell you want to call it, starting at noon Eastern. And that is when you can begin to contact and uh, start negotiating those deals. So Promptly at 12.01 p.m. March 13th, we'll be hearing that players have agreed to terms to massive contracts around the National Football League. I don't know how they get all that done in 60 seconds, but man, those agents and these GMs on the ball, baby on the ball. They are, Uh, by the way, you can start signing the contracts on March 15th. At 4 p.m. That is when the new league year kicks in. By the way, 359.59 is when all teams must be in compliance with the 2023 salary cap. So a busy couple of weeks coming up here for the Browns and GM Andrew Barry. Because he's got some contract restructurings he's got to do to get the Browns in compliance with the upcoming salary cap. Because my uh, unofficial math, they're about $12 in and change above the 2023 figure right now. So that's what the next couple of weeks look like around the NFL.
1: Daryl, two questions for you based on that one, when they're allowed to talk to local guys, do you designate like 40? How does that work? And how do you determine what's local?
0: So the NFL designates like colleges and universities off the top of my head, anything Cleveland local, you know, like our you know smaller schools, Mount Union, John Carroll, thats all under the the uh, Browns local. Ohio State, I believe, is also Browns local. Just off, the, I I have to—I I wasn't anticipating that question. I I I have to go back and look up the territory. Like Michigan belongs to the Detroit Lions. Uh, Illinois belongs to the Chicago Bears. I think the Bears also get Notre Dame um so that's that there it's regionalized what each happens, like
1: what happens if you're a guy from cleveland that goes to notre dame
0: um i believe if you are from the market you can count as a local guy so i just thought it was yes like yeah, so like, like for instance the kelsey brothers just to use them because right. that, we've talked a lot about them i believe that when they were coming out in the draft, I believe they were uh, they were uh, deemed local players because they grew up uh, here uh, on the east side, Cleveland Heights. There,
1: Daryl. What the next part of this is? What names are we used to that we should forget about because they'll be gone?
0: Um. Hmm. I think that one player that you have, and I think we mentioned this on, on a previous podcast, Andy, uh, but I think that one move that needs to be watched for, and I didn't mention it on the calendar, and so I will, um, is I think John Johnson the third. He's a really good player. Um, I think he's been played out of position here, but I think he could be a, if they were trying to like do a, a salary cap, uh savings or whatever i i could see a scenario where uh he could be a post june 1st cut um in other words uh if he, uh, he would be cut in march so that he could go find a new team but so teams are allowed to designate two players as post june 1st cuts for salary cap purposes okay so i, I I'm not advocating for it. I'm not saying it's going to happen. You asked the hypothetical, so I'm just giving you a hypothetical name. I think that he potentially could be one, unless they did like a restructure or an extension or something with him to just basically lower his uh, salary cap figure because I think his cap hit is around $9 million, which is, eh, that's a little bit uh, of a bite there uh, off the cap. But um yeah, they, each team gets those gets two players they can release in March as a courtesy to allow those players to take advantage of free agency and find a new home, but technically be a June first cut for accounting purposes, um, so that the you know the the team can you know save max cap because again as we've talked about numerous times the salary cap it's a myth if you do it right salary cap is a myth.
1: All right. Here's my hypothetical for you that I want to just make sure I have a good eye on you because you're going to roll your eyes. Somebody actually said this to me and I normally wouldn't bring it up, but it's somebody I kind of trust. And I don't think there's any truth to it. It was just one of those questions. Are you ready? All right. Would you, Daryl Ryder, trade Miles Garrett for two number ones and two number twos? Ooh, got you thinking.
0: I want three ones. I want I wanted. I wanted Deshaun Watson level deal. Here's why: Miles Garrett's going to be Hall of Famer, right? If if you're if you're going to trade a Hall of Famer, right? I don't know if Deshaun Watson's going to be a Hall of Famer. No disrespect to him. Like I, I'm not. Uh, I'm. Uh, I'm not criticizing Deshaun, but like the Browns gave up six draft picks in total, three of those first rounders. Okay, and. Those first two first rounders, right? Last year's first rounder, this year's first rounder. Those pretty good. The top 15 picks, pretty good picks, right? So if, if the phone rings and a GM expresses interest in, in miles Garrett, I'm not listening for more than five seconds. Unless I hear three first round picks plus more. I'm not saying like that's the trade. Like it, The conversation begins, for me, with three first-round picks.
1: Do you think the Browns get calls on him?
0: Uh, I would imagine. Like, I mean, GMs call check in with teams all the time. Like, next week at the Combine, when everyone's in in the same, right? Uh, uh, GMs check in with every agent uh not only their own players, but uh, pending you know pending free agents and stuff like that touch base see where they're at they may or may not discuss tampering period because again they have to wait those sixty seconds on March thirteenth before of you course know, yeah. you know n- negotiating in full said contract but um you know I I it it I will say this if the Browns were willing to listen, right? Like the willing to listen does not mean actively trying to trade. Right. Right. But let's, let's say just for the sake of this discussion, Andrew Barry would be willing to listen to an offer. Right. Right. He, he could quietly make it known at the combine. Hey, uh, you know, we're obviously trying to get to the next level as part of that. We don't have any untradable assets. That's what you say. Nobody nobody is untradeable on our roster which is code for telling GMs hey well yeah if you're interested in Miles Garrett call us now Andrew Berry didn't say we're willing to trade Miles Garrett did he no. no he just said hey we don't have he would just say we have no untradeable players on our roster we are willing to listen to any and all phone calls and that's how you if you are Interested in kind of like generating some buzz or some action in that regard. That's how Andrew Barry would go about it without saying, hey, Miles Garrett's on the trading block, which he's not make that clear. he's not on the trading block. But right. Uh, that, that's how GMs start those conversations with other clubs. It's um, a, good, and, a good, and that, good. Yeah.
1: Good background stuff. Daryl, thank you as always. It's always game day in Cleveland for our amazing producer, Meredith Kane. Thanks for joining us again. We'll drop again one more time this week. It's always game day in Cleveland.